conductive wire And you were so electric I had no say when you came so near And just passed right through me Hey everyone, welcome to Geekdom is back, as is Marjani Rawls. As I mentioned in my Iron Man 2 episode, I am trying to get through some more of these Marvel Cinematic Universe movies, and that includes The Incredible Hulk, so that is what we are going to be discussing today. It's it's not anyone's favorite movie that I'm aware of, at least out of the group of people I know. Marjani, would you feel the same? I feel like everybody forgot about it. I feel like when anytime like you bring it up and they're like, yo, like there was an actual Incredible Hulk movie in the MCU. They're like, where? Like, really? Like, because this incarnation of the Hulk is way different than the one that we see now in the Avengers movies. So like, and then there was the one in 2003, like that one, which shall not be named or whatnot. But like, like I said, like, it's like the odd man out when we think about the whole MCU. Sometimes it's hard to when you have the change in the casting, because in this one you have Edward Edward Norton as Bruce Banner and the Hulk, obviously. And then right after this movie, pretty much before they get to Avengers, they change it to Mark Ruffalo. And it's one of those things where there were some disagreements on how much creative control Edward Norton should have. So that sort of led to him being dismissed as the character. And, you know, I don't know if it's the casting or more so the story with this movie. I'm leaning more towards the story as to why it just didn't grab people as much as it could have. And we've seen them do good things with the Hulk since this movie. You know, Thor Ragnarok is probably my favorite portrayal of the Hulk that we've seen in the MCU movies so far and they just weren't able to capture something like that with this cast and this movie I like Thor Ragnarok's I like uh, Avengers Age of Ultron too because I felt like he like showed emotion with like the whole Black Widow thing and like like him just kind of like being like looked at this as this like destructive force that like just destroys everything and then he just kind of leaves this movie i mean it's very like if you look at the plot it's very kind of bare bones like you have you have the hulk and bruce banner and then like gender uh, general thunderbolt ross is after him obviously and then you have you know Liv tyler as betsy ross and they have a love story and then there's you know the abomination or you know emma blonsky it's very like, you know what I mean? Like it's very like very run in the mill like hero superhero story. Plus, you have the whole military versus this creature that they don't know what to do something with. It just so happens that you know the Hulk is also a person underneath all of that. So you have this story where they could have done it to where Hulk versus the military was actually interesting, but here they just storm a college campus and it's a very odd situation and the fact that you have Betty Ross being General Ross's daughter and she's the one actually trying to help the Hulk and he protects her and her own father isn't even willing to do that it's just one of those things where you're like yeah I think they they went a little 
too far with the sort of emotional disconnect between General Ross and his daughter at that point. Because even if they were sort of estranged, you would think that something like that happening to her and the Hulk protecting her would at least give him a little more empathy towards the Hulk, but it really doesn't. And then you have Blonsky, who is in over his head completely from the start of this movie. And it just never evolves into something that I found interesting. It's like, oh, there's this big green Hulk. We have to build our own of those or create our own of those in order to stop him, even though he hasn't really done anything without being provoked. And the military are the only ones provoking him. Yeah, like, I was like, why does Thunder, why does General Ross hate him so much? Like, especially when you come towards the end of the movie where they need the Hulk. He's just like, ah, well, you know, uh, well, I'm sorry for trying to kill you for, you know, the first half of the movie. And then obviously, because, you know, it's Betty's boyfriend, like, why, like, ease up, dude? You know what I mean? But, like, there were some, like, nice scenes in the movie, um, especially, like, when uh, the Hulk goes away and he takes Betty and then, like, it's raining and then, like, she kind of calms him down. Like, that was a nice scene, like, in the cave. I mean, there was, like, like you said, there were pretend, there was potential to build on some stuff, but I felt like they just kind of glossed over it. And I know Edward Norton really wanted to take the character, and he, like, rewrote some of the script. But, yeah, I just felt like it was an apology for Ang Lee's Hulk. Because, I mean, I don't know. I don't really know a lot of people who like that movie. Right. Uh, at all. And... I mean, they were trying something, especially with uh, the whole, like, Mr. Blue, Mr. Green story with the leader, which, I mean, that that never really materialized in the MCU. That was just kind of teased. But there's also, like, this complicated situation between uh, Marvel and Universal because they own – Universal owns the distribution rights and Marvel owns a different – so, like, you can, that's why you haven't seen a, like – a singular Hulk movie. And that's probably why they didn't build onto it. But yeah, it, the military scenes were okay. Like it was cool to see Hulk kind of, you know, Hulk out, but it was just like, all right. Like it was very like Superman returns ish to me. You know how like Superman returns, like he's not really fighting against Lex Luthor and he's fighting against like a planet full of Krypton. Like, Ooh, ooh, ooh. Yeah. and then, yeah. And you really only get to like, Hulk being Hulk at the end of the movie when he fights the abomination. Yeah, and the sad thing is, you know, we don't get a ton of the Hulk until they storm the college campus and you have sort of this all-out battle between the Hulk and the military and then again later when he fights the abomination. And, you know, we see him in the shadows in the bottling factory down in South America. But beyond that, we don't even really see Bruce Banner getting to be a scientist all that much. And I think that's one of the more interesting aspects of him, you know, as his human form, because we've seen them use that more and more with Mark Ruffalo's version of the character. And you just have him sort of using this makeshift setup in South America. And then after that, it's all about him being on the run 
and him searching for Mr. Blue. But he isn't really involved in any of the scientific process after that one scene that we get in South America where he's, you know, taking a sample of his blood and running it through this makeshift machine that he has going on. And I think that's sort of where it fell short. It's like you didn't get enough of either side of Bruce Banner. You just got a lot of him on the run. And while that can work in some contexts, I think with the Hulk, that's something that's a little hard to do because it's just not all that interesting with him. And, you know, when he goes on the run, so to speak, in later MCU movies, it's off camera. We don't see him go away necessarily. We sort of start to see him leave and then we see where he ends up. We don't have to see anything in between. No, that's right. Like, with Mark Ruffalo's Hulk, you see him have conversations with Tony. You see him have conversations with Captain America. You get to see, like you said, like the scientific side of himself. So when he turns into the Hulk, it seems like it's a whole different person. Like, um, especially when he, you, you see the process of like the Hulk becoming, having his own personality, which kind of culminates in um, Thor Ragnarok when he's just speaking as the Hulk. In this movie, the the big storyline here is Bruce Banner learns yoga. <laughs> and, like, he learns that yoga to, like, keep that Hulk side under control. And that's kind of, like, the, the big scientific thing that we get from him. Then, like, when he meets Samuel Stearns, that's when the scientist thing comes in. But, but the doctor does most of the stuff. Then he starts trying to experiment... Yeah to like make other, I guess, make other soldiers just like him. And then it, you know, falls into the wrong hands and then they inject Emil Blonsky with it and he turns into the abomination. But like you said, like the scientist stuff happens in lieu of Bruce Banner, not really Bruce Banner, like kind of doing it. He sends the samples, but he's not doing the experiments. And that's something that seems very odd for the expertise that Bruce Banner is supposed to have. And, you know, really, what is he doing working in a bottling factory? I feel like he could be doing science under the radar in a different country and not have to be on the front of a newspaper, you know, like Betty Ross was. (laughs) So it's one of those things. He, He even could have been teaching somewhere. Or something like that. But working in the bottling factory, I never really understood why that was what they went with. Because then it's just a literal waste of not only him as the Hulk, but him as a scientist. Yeah, you see, like, in the Avengers, like, Tony's, like, this scientist, but, like, Bruce Banner's right near, right by, like, right by his side. Like, saying, like, shouldn't do this. Like, especially with Ultron and whatnot, like. It's a, it's a, it's a crazy, like when you watch this movie again, it's a crazy course for it. Yeah. When I was rewatching it for this, you know, I started it and I was like, okay, where is this going again? And then some of it starts coming back, you know, and it's still just, it felt very boring most of the time until you sort of get to that final battle. And even that I was like, all right, you know, this other dude Blonsky has an ego and that's just going to be his demise because why wouldn't it be and you know 
he's not the good soldier that he wanted to be. You know, he is not being aware of what is going on around him. You know, he's practically going to kill his own boss Mm -hmm. just to get at the Hulk. And obviously, without experimentation, that's what's going to happen if you just inject someone who had already been injected with sort of this super serum, the super soldier serum, I believe, because he has very Bucky Barnes-like qualities to him before we even are introduced to Bucky. And it's one of those things where I think they just got a little too far ahead of themselves with some of what they were trying to do here. And obviously, you had to create a monster that would sort of rival the Hulk in size. But I feel like I don't know if they went about doing it the right way necessarily. I feel like they had to get to like the movie is like, okay, the Hulk has to have an adversary because um, if you remember in the damn first Hulk movie, the Ang Lee's Hulk movie, he's fighting like his dad, but like his dad is like manifesting himself (laughs) as a, as, as lightning, uh, as water and stuff like that. And I feel like this movie is, is like, all right, man, we have to, because like Blonsky is so damn arrogant that he tries to fight the Hulk with no powers. So Hulk yeah. just kicks him into a damn tree. And pretty much into a brief coma because the serum kicks in and makes him heal faster. And then he wants to go back for more because at this point he's so determined. And even though he might be determined, it's still such a stupid idea. It's like, really? You know, you think you are going to get these powers and just be able to use them against the Hulk right away and know what you're doing? And you can tell that while part of Bruce is buried when he's the Hulk, Betty is someone who can sort of keep him grounded at times. And her father just doesn't understand that she's the key to controlling him, really. And, you know, he will constantly protect her even though if he, he even though he's not totally aware of you know all of his feelings necessarily because Bruce is sort of hidden down inside him well i think that especially the look of the hulk improved drastically over the 2003 movie he didn't look like right. a green blob like yeah. <laughs> he looks imposing he muscular ripped and stuff like that and you could see like as he fought like he gets angrier, he gets stronger. And then like uh, at the end of the third act in the fight, like when Betty's about to die, like he said, she's the key. Like he sees that and he like kicks into the gear. And then, you know, they give the whole like the Hulk smash. Like that was pretty cool. I feel like the movie was like kind of like a, a spattering of cool moments, but like we kind of saw where everything was going. You know what I mean? Like, the arrogant guy who gets the power is going to lose because he's arrogant. And, you know, like, of course, you know, Hulk would overcome him. And, you know, even so, even with Hulk beating the abomination, Thunderbolt Ross doesn't call off the dogs. And then he has to go in the damn hiding again, which I didn't get. I'm like, <laughs> like, <laughs> like, he just saved everybody. Right. And he has to go and he has to flee New York. Like, Really? It was definitely super predictable, and obviously General Ross is part of the sort of beginnings of S.H.I.E.L.D.'s presence in these MCU movies, and we see S.H.I.E.L.D. a bit in 
Iron Man 2 as well a couple years after this. And they're kind of just building up to the Avengers with this. And I think that's why the Hulk got a solo movie ahead of time. But I don't think it was totally necessary at this point with what the MCU is doing with the character. He makes much more sense as a supporting player in these movies. And that was able to shine through in Thor Ragnarok. And it's just one of those things where not every character necessarily needs to have a solo movie, in my opinion. You know, we could have done without even, you know, one or two of the Iron Man movies, honestly, (laughs) the Hulk movie, some of the Thor movies. And then you have a character like Black Widow, who has a very interesting backstory, who isn't getting a solo movie yet, or still doesn't have one, basically. And it's just interesting how they decided to go about doing some of these things in the early days of the MCU, because I think that's where sort of more of their, not not flops necessarily, but their more critical failures, I guess you could say, because there are definitely a lot of the early movies that didn't age so well. And this, because of how predictable it was and the fact that they did the recasting and everything like that, it just had so many things going against it by the time we saw the Hulk again to where it's like, eh, I think we can kind of just ignore this. And, you know, if you want to give someone, you know, the must watch movies for the MCU, if they don't want to watch all 20 of them like you and I have (laughs) at this point, this movie won't make the list at all. It's crazy because, like, it's the second movie in Phase 1. And, like, I feel... Because you had Iron Man that obviously kicked it off, like, two months before that. It came out in May. Incredible Hulk came out in June. But everybody forgets about the Incredible Hulk for, like, what you just said. Like, it's not really that memorable. And especially with, you know, four years later and the Avengers movie where Hulk is a badass. Like... It's and seeing Hulk is now it the MCU like and I know like we look upon like all these acclaimed movies that the MCU has like Winter Soldier, the first Guardians of the Galaxy, like, uh, you know, Infinity War, Black Panther. But like you said, like when the MCU started, it was on very shaky ground, (laughs) like Iron Man 2 wasn't that great. Like Thor was all right. You know what I mean? Like, the first Thor was... It was good, but it wasn't, like, amazing. And, I mean, well, then it started kind of picking up with the first Captain America. Like, I'll give you that. Like, Mm -hmm. I thought that was a good movie, but I feel like a lot of people forget about that movie, too, because you've had, like, Winter Soldier and Civil War. But it's crazy to see how far far America... The Incredible Hulk has gone. And especially, like, before, you know we were recording this podcast, like watching that movie again. I'm like, Oh, okay. I, I remember this movie now. Like, like right. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, Oh, okay. That happened. Oh, all right. Well, like none of this is Canon right now. <laughs> like it seemed like they were like, all right, well, we'll forget about all that. You know? Yeah. The only thing that really stays the same is how Bruce Banner became the Hulk and the gamma radiation and everything like that. So it's, not canon, but at least there's some truth to the origin story still at this point. And, you know, I, I don't want to have everything be bad about this movie, because like you said, they did have some moments where you kind of wanted them to 
run with that a little more like when he took Betty to that little cave and everything and I think lightning hit him or something and it made him mad but you just get this intense moment that she's able to bring him down from and you know I think the relationship between those two is something they sort of tried to do again with the Hulk and Black Widow which I'm not as big of a fan of that just because of how it portrays Black Widow in certain scenes, especially in Age of Ultron. But from Bruce's perspective, it makes more sense. I just wish it wasn't Black Widow who was on the other end of that relationship. Yeah, it's like, uh, like I like the little cool thing, like sun's going down there. You know what I mean? Like, that's cool. Like, like the common down and stuff. But like, yeah, I agree. Because I'm like, what the hell? Like, like what... <laughs> and and they go back into it in like Infinity War, and they're like, "Hey, hey." Yeah, it's it's just an awkward confrontation. <laughs> Especially because you learn like apparently like Black Widow and Captain America are, are like an item now. So like you're like you know Bruce has been in space hanging out with Thor, and then he comes back and they see each other, and they're like, "Hey, hey," like you <laughs> like there was like a romance here. So like it's. It's weird. I, I do like like the calming down part. And it's crazy because like Betsy Ross was in this movie and she's never to be heard from again because, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> but if know. I'm not mistaken, we do still hear from General Ross. I just think he was recasted at some point. Maybe not. I, I could no, no, no. He's in, he's in Civil War. Okay, but uh, I think it I think it might be a different actor. I'm not 100% sure on that because they have a general that they keep mentioning in the Avengers movies and in some of the Captain America movies. No, it's still William Hurt. Still William Hurt is still in Civil War. He's actually the guy like that told Tony, "All right, you guys got to Okay. You got to get this under control with the Sokovia Accords before I do." He's he's still that hard ass. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's Secretary of State by that point. That's yeah, why I'm getting confused because then there's now. a new general. Yeah. And yeah, okay, okay. That makes more sense. I, uh, yeah. <laughs> so many characters. Yeah, because like uh, uh, Sam Elliott was like the first Hulk film, but no, it's, William Hurt came back for uh, Civil War. But, okay. Um, and Infinity War, too, I think. Yeah, but not, uh, not Liv Tyler. Uh, no, not not for Betsy Ross. I guess that's too many, <laughs> too many relationships. Because Gwyneth Paltrow's back, but like, uh, yeah. So I guess you know Bruce Banner is still without. I mean, he's still around. Like he's he's uh, he survived the snap, so he'll be there for you know Avengers Four or whatever that title when they reveal that title. I guess on third. I guess on Thursday or whenever people hear the podcast, but yeah, um, it's great. I, I wonder why they didn't bring Betsy Ross back. Betty. Yeah. Or Betty Ross. Yeah. Be Betty Ross. Yeah. I wonder why they didn't bring her back. I don't know. It would have been nice, but yeah. I wonder if, I wonder if people are going to go back and watch this now. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't blame them if they did it though. <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't blame you either. Like, I wonder like they're going to listen to this podcast and be like, there was a Hulk. There was a Hulk movie, <laughs> but like, yeah. Wait, what was this? Yeah, what, what was this? But yeah, there was, and Louis Letterer directed it, and I mean, yeah, uh, I mean, it's it's a moment in time. Yeah, I I know we're probably going to keep this one pretty short here, but I do have 
a couple other things I want to touch on. One is the fact that they brought back Lou Ferrigno to voice the Hulk because I can't imagine Edward Norton voicing the Hulk at all. <laughs> so <laughs> to have Lou Ferrigno come back and sort of reprise his role without being the face of the Hulk and then to have him in a cameo as a security guard, I felt like that was just a nice little nod to, you know, his days playing the Hulk and Bruce Banner in the TV show. So that was something that was fun, at least, about this movie. Yeah, that was pretty cool. And then the other thing is just the CGI in this, because like you said, the Hulk looked a lot better in this than he did in the previous movie with Eric Bana as the Hulk, <laughs> I believe. And, you know, there there were still moments where I was like, eh, this doesn't look so great, but it is the early days of the MCU and them trying to get this all together. And I do think Overall, because these two movies came out in the same year, Hulk and Iron Man, Iron Man did have a much better feel and look to it. And this, you know, I think they nailed the tone of the Hulk mm -hmm. in a sense, but as far as, you know, the look and everything goes, but I, I just felt like something was missing a little in the action because when you have the Hulk going up against the Abomination, it's like... You have these good moments, but then you have moments where you're like, eh, why? <laughs> I will give it that it that fight scene is better than the original, like the 2003 one, where Hulk is yeah. fighting against super dogs. <laughs> yeah. Uh, dogs that are, yeah, that have like the gamma ray gene that he has to like kill. They are like, whoa, all right. Um, I believe that. Somebody from CNN said that Hulk looked like a ticked-off version of Shrek uh, for the, the 2003 one. At least this guy, like, at least he looks like him. I'm like, you believe yeah. he's the Hulk. Like, he, you know what I mean? Like, he he, he screams, he roars, like, it's like the Hulk. Like, they got the look, and they make it even better for the Avengers movies. Yeah. But, yeah, like, the fight scene, like, with the Abomination... Like, you knew where it was going to go. Like, you knew, like, all right, Hulk is eventually going to overtake this guy, and he's going to win. And how did... Okay, so what did you think about, like, when he beats him and kind of, like, stands over him and then just lets out the roar? Did you think that was cheesy? I do think we had a few too many roars in this, because <laughs> we had one when, you know, he gets hit during the storm, when he's at the cave with Betty and then we have one at I believe the campus we have one or two at the campus I think actually and one I think is a little muffled because they have sort of the sonic rays blasting at him to try and take him down but it's one of those things where I understand why they put that in there but it did feel a little too over the top for my liking because at that point Betty has already calmed him down enough to get him to not kill the abomination. Yeah. And then it's like, okay, we get it. You won. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> True. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't think of it that way. I'm like, all right, he killed. Oh, okay. And then he like stood over him and like the abomination is like not dead and like he's like roar i'm like okay so what the hell are you gonna do with the abomination like this guy's <laughs> this guy's still transformed is he gonna de-transform like i you know i don't know i just thought like the whole like if they would have just had like the hulk smash thing i'm like all right that's cool like you gave me what i needed 
you gave you gave me like when I was looking for because like the first Hulk film didn't really give me that moment. You gave me some cool moments, but then like the whole like ah like blah blah blah. Um, maybe it was a little too much. I don't know, but we do get an after credit scene. Yes, that is the final thing I wanted to discuss here because it brings us a quick discussion, mostly one-sided, between Tony Stark and General Ross. And it's one of those things where clearly, as we've seen in Civil War and now Infinity War, this didn't kill General Ross's career by any means. It possibly should have. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, it definitely should have. You know, he (laughs) is the one who injected Blonsky and then let him sort of just run wild and become the abomination. So I don't know how he ended up being Secretary of State. (laughs) That sort of baffles me. He uh, failed upward. Yeah, that that seems to be common these days. But (laughs) Tony sort of gives him and I told you so is because he brings up the super soldier serum and he's like, this is why we don't use this. <laughs> yeah. What people like, you have to like think that like, this is very early in the MCU and we don't know what we're building up to. So like to see like the first after credit scene in Iron Man, where he meets McFury, Samuel Jackson, you're like, Oh, what the hell? Like he's talking about shield. And then right. like this one, like, uh, I remember I was in the movie theater with my friends and we saw the Incredible Hulk and then like the whole like he's talking to Thunderbolt and Ross is like, all right, I know how to maybe we get him under control. I'm putting a team together and we're like, what? Like, wait a minute. Like, are they doing? Yeah. Like, are they doing the Avengers? Like, and um, that was cool. Like, I didn't like I said, like we're in what? what 20 movies now like you wouldn't have saw like you wouldn't have saw or like foreseen what they were kind of like putting together and like it was in the very early stages but it was kind of cool like you're like what iron man is putting together a team we haven't seen everybody else you know what i mean yeah and it's no surprise that we see tony in this one really you know it's one of those things where sometimes the post-credit scenes especially now will allude to things in the future and this one still does by mentioning the super soldier serum but it isn't introducing another new character just yet which sometimes we see that you know when i went and rewatched iron man 2 which i discussed on the last episode we see thor's hammer and that's Mm -hmm. sort of the introduction to his movie and then building up to the avengers and everything like that so it's interesting to go back and see how these things all connected again because either people didn't know about the post credit scenes with the first few movies or you just sort of forget them because at this point everything sort of blends together 20 movies later you're like oh yeah this happened and this happened and then you're like wait when did these things happen yeah you know what it is it's like it's like watching like your saturday morning cartoons and this is kind of like you know Find out next on, you know, the MCU. It's kind of like watching like a two or two now, two and a half hour or allegedly three hour. Um, if you hear like early reports about Avengers 4, like sitting there and watching like your favorite like superheroes, like in like a Saturday morning cartoon. Like it's just like watching that. And then like every, I guess every year or now they're doing, you know, three movies next year. Like seeing how the story progresses, and it's kind of it's kind of crazy because 
this worked obviously and now like everybody's trying to do it like even hasbro is trying to do it with like you know toys like the transformers and stuff like that dcu has tried to do it i have no idea what they're doing but um they're trying and like it's crazy to think that we came from iron man and then the incredible hulk till now we're waiting for like captain marvel to come out next year for sure and hopefully by the time everyone is listening to this they have gone and watched the captain marvel trailer because that is out now go enjoy it's more entertaining than this <laughs> i apparently i just got word that i looked on twitter that the trailer for well everybody probably will see them before they hear this but the trailer for the avengers 4 will now drop at 9 a.m on friday so there you go if they don't change it again <laughs> yeah they've changed it three times now but yeah and we could possibly have a spider-man far from home trailer who knows there's so many things to look forward to in the mcu so if you don't want to look back on this one necessarily just go watch trailers and things instead <laughs> <laughs> but Marjani, thank you so much for coming on to quickly discuss this one i knew it wouldn't be too long because when it comes to things i'm not a huge fan of i don't want to spend too much time you know, trashing these movies because I do think, like I said earlier, there was some potential here. They just weren't able to quite get it there. And that's unfortunate. And then, you know, the recasting is obviously something that throws a wrench into plans at times, but it, it it's a movie. That's what I yeah. have to say about it. <laughs> it's, it's a movie. <laughs> yeah. uh, but again, thank you. And to the listeners, as always, thank you all for listening. And we hope you enjoy the rest of your day. All right. See you guys.